Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Coffee and Prayer. I'm Pastor Andrew F. Carter, and it is 5.30 a.m. here in Inglewood, California. As you guys tune in, please let me know where you are and what time it is where you're tuning in from. You guys, this is a worldwide ministry. This morning, I'm filled with just so much gratitude and thankfulness. Um, just that, that you guys would meet with me in this place, that we would set aside time together collectively, whether you're live or on the replay, just to know Jesus, just to know his word, just to draw closer to him. Good morning, good morning. What's up, Sister May, Brother Henry? We got people from Germany. We got brothers and sisters from Chicago. We got brothers and sisters from all around the world. Good morning, Miss Lauren, Brother Gonzo, Maryland, Indiana, Miami. So check it out, man. Uh, just this morning, I, I got up like 30 minutes early. I've been up since 4 o'clock. Lord shook me out of my sleep and was just like, let's spend some time together. And um, in doing so, just just overwhelmed with uh, just the thankfulness. You guys, there's so much thankfulness and um, things that we have to be grateful for. The fact that you're awake, the fact that you're here, you're watching this, the fact that there's a heart beating in your chest and there's breath in your lungs. It's easy to get caught up with the things that we lack, the things that we don't have, or the places that we are not. But um, my sister... My sister Tamara, she's uh, just an awesome woman of God. We had a chance to have lunch with her and her husband. They flew in from the East Coast. And, uh, I mean, we, they hit the ground and we picked them up basically from their hotel as soon as they got there. They didn't even check in. But we were talking about, you know, living life and how most of us set this idea of where we want to be, where we need to be. Uh, it's like our max potential of like, you know, our goals, our visions, our dreams of becoming who we want to be. And many of us will never really reach that full potential. We'll never truly be satisfied. But we, if, if we can stop and understand that as we're progressing through life, we're not where we used to be. Right? I could sit here and think of all of the things and areas in my life that I need to improve and the ways that I need to do better. And I, I can completely focus on my lack right, of where I'm, where I'm not. But, but when I do that, I don't focus on how far God has taken me. I'm not where I used to be. I'm much further and farther. But if my eyes are constantly on the goal, they're constantly on where I'm going or what I want to achieve, I'm never truly enjoying the place that I'm in. And this morning, God got a hold of me and was just like, hey, 152 days in a row. Think about where you were 152 days ago. Your knowledge, your understanding, you just started a brand new church, right? You just, you just, you just, there's like so many things. I don't want to even get into it. But like sitting here this morning in just pure gratitude and thankfulness, that is what I want to encourage you guys to do today as we approach this day is to, to just rock it out with gratitude and thankfulness and appreciation. You might not be where you're at. Your situation might look grim. I don't know what you're going through. You might have lost somebody. But even in the middle of a storm, if we would find a heart posture and a position of praise, I believe that God will comfort us. God will give us joy. God will give us peace that surpasses understanding because despite Despite our circumstances, uh, God is good. Amen. God is good. Man. And it's not, yeah, it's just, oh, God is so good. If you guys would put the scripture, I'm going to jump into the Bible study. I could be sentimental all morning. It's just one of those mornings. I'm, it, I feel like I've been listening to some, some Drake or something. I'm just completely in my feelings, emotional in a good sense, filled with love and gratitude. We're, we're, there we go. Thank you, brother Fred. We're going to jump into first Corinthians, uh, chapter 15. That's what we'll rock with this morning. It's long, you guys, there's a lot, but I'm going to condense it. So understand, we've been talking about a lot of controversial things, a lot of issues. Just a recap, 
Paul is speaking to the church in Corinth. These are individuals who are saved. These are individuals. This is a church that he planted. He spent over a year and a half with the church in Corinth, um, leading, guiding, discipling, building up, raising up leaders. He spent some time with them. As he's in Ephesus, he gets word of some of the crazy stuff that's going on at the church. And so this is his letter of like, hey, get it together. Hey, here's some things that, that need to be in order. Hey, here's some guidelines. Here's some regulations. Here's the way that we need to be uh, living with one another. We need to be putting the greater good of the church above our own personal needs. So that's what, what he's talking about. Um, even in the last chapter, we talked about um, the gifts of the Spirit. And then we even touched on the very controversial topic of um, women keeping quiet in church meetings and not being allowed to speak. And I pray that you guys did some research. Uh, I pray that you guys did some homework and kind of looked into that. I've, I I reached out and got some uh, some guidance from some of my mentors. I did my own research. I further researched it. It was heavy on my heart. And some of you guys even reached out with some of the things that you found. And from those that found things, it made sense as far as the context, the, the culture in which they lived in, the way that women were treated in that area. Um, the one thing that I want to say is that some people will say, and their argument is women shouldn't speak in church and we have to not change the scripture. It has to remain as it is. It also says in scripture that, you know, slaves should obey their masters. All right. Just think about that, right? In scripture, I mean, it, it says and encourages uh, individual slaves to obey their masters. There's, there's controversial topics that in context, in culture, in the era that they lived in, that was a normal thing. It wasn't like the slavery that we know. It was a different kind of indentured servitude. There were slaves back then and there were instructions. So if we stand on it without putting things into context, some things can be taken taken out of context and they kind of seem a little weird when we apply it to the day and age that we live in right now. So please, please be doing your research, put things into the correct context and have a better, deeper understanding of the word for your own knowledge. Amen. Mm, thank you, Jesus. So in verse in chapter 15, he says, hey, now, brothers and sisters, I want you to remember the good news that I brought to you. You received the good news and continue strong in it. He goes, I passed on to you what I received of which this was most important. And he goes over the death, burial, and resurrection uh, you know, uh, of Jesus. He says that Christ died for our sins, as the scripture said. That he was buried and was raised to life on the third day, as the scriptures say. And that he was seen by Peter and then by the twelve apostles. After that, Jesus was seen by more than 500 of the believers at the same time. Most of them are still living today, but some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, he was seen by me. As by a person not born at the normal time. He says, all the other apostles were greater than I am. I'm not even good enough to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But God's grace has made me what I am. See, understand that the, one of the issues that was going on in Corinth is there was some division going on about the resurrection. We're going to get into that. There was there, there was individuals who were being saved who still had ties to the Greco-Roman uh, philosophies and beliefs. There were individuals who were being saved, but they weren't completely departing from some of the religious things that they partake. They were they were taking part in beforehand. Does that make sense? And that even sounds like the church today. Many individuals will get saved, but will still have roots and will still have 
have ties to new age beliefs and philosophies. Individuals will be saved, but because the way that they lived and the way that they grew up and their understanding of the word, they still hold on to some of these things. They haven't been completely delivered. They haven't matured to the point where they understand that these things are hindrances, that they don't help, they don't add value. There's still philosophies and beliefs that individuals who are saved still hold on to. And we've talked about this before. There's some some ideas uh, and sayings and beliefs that they're not scriptural, but they're known as common knowledge because they're well-received in the culture that we live in. And until you have a better, deeper understanding of the word and who God is and what it means to follow Jesus, until those chains are broken, we're delivered from those things, right? You, you still have these little attachments. And there might even be some of you on here who have just been recently saved and still dabble in some of these things because you don't have the understanding uh, or the implication of what it means to fully follow Jesus. This happens. It's actually, it's actually, it's, it's more common than you think. You might have been saved and completely delivered from that, but I still see individuals who are saved, who know Jesus, who are growing in their relationship, who still hold on to some of these worldly practices. And God's working in them, and we're to encourage them and, and, and call it out and, you know, explain to them, teach them that those things have no place in the kingdom of God. But that's what was going on here. Individuals were still kind of arguing about the resurrection. Many of them thought that uh, after death, after you died, that was it, that you were only living for this life. Many of them didn't believe in an afterlife. Many of them didn't believe in a resurrection. Many of them might have even believed in reincarnation. There were different thoughts and ideas that some were holding on to, and they were in the church, and they were allowing those prior beliefs and those ideas to infiltrate the, the layer and the foundation of what was being preached here right? It's good stuff. And so here it says, um, he, he goes on. Oh, I, I love his humility. He understands. He says, you know, I'm not even good enough to be called an apostle because I've persecuted the church. The other apostles were, they were good apostles, man. They, they followed Jesus, you know, in the flesh, they were there after he, he died and, and was resurrected. Um, and he, you know, from the jump, they were there, Paul persecuted Christ. So he's like, I'm not even good enough. But I love this. He says, but God's grace has made me what I am. And it's his grace and his grace to me was not wasted. And then he goes in, he says, I worked harder than all the other apostles, but it was not really I, it was God's grace that was with me. So if I preached to you or the other apostles preached to you, we all preached the same thing. And this is what you believed. And then he goes in to say, hey, now, since we preached that Christ was raised from the dead, why do some of you people say that we will not be raised from the dead? He goes in and he has this logical uh, explanation. He, he kind of breaks it down. He, and he says, look, if no one's raised from the dead, then Christ wasn't raised. And if Christ wasn't raised, then our preaching is worth nothing. And your faith is worth nothing. So it, the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it hinges on the resurrection. If Jesus lived and was beaten and did all of the miracles and things, and then he died, but then he wasn't resurrected, it was done in vain. Then he was just a good dude. Then he was just a great teacher. But but the the, the it hinges on the resurrection. And he's sitting here saying, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is worth nothing and your faith is worth nothing. You're still guilty of your sins, right? Because the, the, the resurrection was the, is the power, right? It, it lies in the power. That's the power. And, and also we are guilty of lying about God because we testified that he raised Christ from the dead. So all of these individuals, all of these witnesses are essentially guilty of lying. So he's trying to use this logic to break it down to these individuals in the church who are saying, no, 
um, once you die, you're dead. There is no resurrection. And he's just saying, well, hold on a second. You believe in the death, burial, and resurrection. This is what we preached. I've preached this. All of the other apostles have preached this. This is logic. He says, if the dead are not raised, Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised and your faith has nothing to it, you are still guilty of your sins. And those in Christ who have already died, they're lost. So individuals who put their faith in Jesus and died, uh, if Christ didn't, if Christ wasn't resurrected, then there's really no point. They're gone. They're eternally separated. They kind of missed the mark. Nineteen, he says, if our hope is in, if our hope in Christ is for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone else in the world. Like what? But but think about like think about this, and this is what got a hold of me. What did the apostles gain from preaching the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? So if if this was an elaborate, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna play. I'm gonna ask you guys some questions and some food for thought. If the death, burial, and resurrection was an elaborate scheme by the apostles to elevate this man Jesus to a position of claiming to be the Messiah, what did they gain? What did the apostles gain? Right? They were hunted down. They were persecuted. I know one was crucified upside down. One was boiled alive, right? They were beheaded. Uh, they, they, had, they were on the run. They spent time in prison. They were beaten, okay? They, they didn't have a home necessarily. They were going from city to city and town to town where they would be received and taken care of. And, and, and uh, many of them, Paul especially, Paul had a cush life as a Pharisee. Right? As a Pharisee, he was well-educated. As a Pharisee, he was well taken care of. He had high position and power and title. He would have some of the nicest places to sit in the synagogue. Like People looked up to him. As a Pharisee, he had so much power and respect. It doesn't make sense that he would take this. If this was an elaborate scheme and an elaborate lie, and it, 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 it was just something that they made up, then why would this man walk away from a lucrative career in order to be thrown in jail, to be beaten, to almost be ripped limb from limb, to be shipwrecked several times, to be bitten by snakes, to be falsely accused? Like, think about the life that he traded in. It's not logical. It really doesn't make sense, right? It doesn't really make sense of why individuals would, why they would lie and, and scheme and come together in order for Jesus to be the Messiah. Like, if you truly think about it, it's not like he turned it in, he turned his life in and he got something for it, right? It just, like, come on, man. Hey, and it says they worked everywhere they went to preach, right? But Paul was a tent maker. He had a full-time job on top of it. So some of the other, uh, he talks about that. He was like, I never took a, a salary. I wasn't taking a fee. Uh, other apostles did and that was okay because it was within their right it was within their their, their, it was in their freedom like it was a part of it but Paul was even like bro I'm not even going to take that I'm going to even work a full-time job on top of this ministry just to show myself approved just to prove it to you guys that I'm not receiving any benefit from preaching the gospel and so he's like, if, if our hope, if I'm here preaching the gospel, if my hope in Christ is for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone else in the world. Because I, I'm literally, I took a, I took a demotion, right? I took a pay cut. I, I came down a couple of levels in order to preach this gospel. What did he gain? 
I mean, under we understand that he gained eternal life. We understand that the gift that he received isn't going to be in this world, that he ran the race, that he received the crown. We understand from a Christian point of view. But from the outside world looking in, if they would slow down and truly understand what these men are saying and what they're doing, what the purpose is behind it, they would maybe, I pray that they would grasp and go, wow, that makes sense. Why would they do that for this elaborate scheme or hoax or lie? Doesn't make sense. Moving on, that was just a random thought, right? Um, okay, I'm I'm seeing some uh, distraction, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna tighten that up real quick. The the stuff about yoga, let's cut it real quick. Let's cut it. We can have a full blown discussion on that. Um, I understand not everybody's at the same place. Not everybody's ready for that conversation, right? Not everybody's ready for that conversation. And I would encourage both. I would encourage you if you're struggling with the understanding of what yoga is and the practice and how it's done, please do some research. But I, let's let's not be distracted this morning, right? There's we're, we're getting hung up. We're already moved. We're already past that. We're talking about a whole other subject. Again, uh, be more concerned with the understanding right here than being right. Okay, nobody's going to change an opinion through comment section. You know what I mean? Like, I've never seen anybody stop and be like, hey, um, oh, that's a really good point. I'm going to completely stop and change my life. Uh, do some research on it. And that's a whole nother day for an amazing discussion. Um, I have a lot of thoughts and, and actual research on the subject that we can talk about. So verse 21 says, death has come because of one, what one man did, but the rising from death also comes because of one man. In Adam, all of us die in the same way. In Christ, all of us will be made alive again. Because of Adam, we're born into this flesh. There's this sinful nature. But because of Jesus, right, we'll be made alive again. You guys, that's good news. That's really, really good news. He goes on and he's talking more like as you guys, you guys are reading first Corinthians 15 and, and it's a lot today. There's a lot more than the last couple of chapters. Um, and he goes on to say in verse 29, if the dead are never raised, what will people do who are being baptized for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people being baptized for them? In verse 30 again, he says, and what about us? Why do we put ourselves in danger every hour? Like if, if the resurrection isn't real, if I'm not going to be raised from the dead, if, if Christ wasn't raised from the dead, then why is it that I'm putting my life in danger every hour? Why am I doing what I'm doing if this wasn't real? It just doesn't make logical sense. It doesn't make sense. In verse 32, he's like, I fought, if I fought wild animals in Ephesus only with human hopes, I have gained nothing. If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink because tomorrow we will die. He's like, bro, if there's no resurrection, if, if, if Jesus wasn't real, if what Jesus did didn't happen, then if this is the only life that we're living, then let's eat, let's drink, let's be merry, let's YOLO. You only live once. There is no eternity. He's understanding that. But then he says this, listen, ooh, this hurts. He goes, don't be fooled. Bad friends will ruin good habits. He says, come back to your right way of thinking and stop sinning. Some of you don't even know God. And he says this, he says, I say this to shame you. <laughs> He doesn't even beat around the bush. He's standing in this letter. He's like, I'm telling, I'm trying to shame you right now. Don't be fooled. The people that you're hanging out with, they're, they're ruining your good habits. They're leading you astray. You are the average of the people that you hang around with. Understand it. And this is a, a side note. Okay, I understand the context of what he, he's speaking to the Corinthians. He's speaking to the sect and group of individuals 
who are still holding on to some Roman Greco beliefs about uh, the, this only being your only life and that there is no resurrection, right? He's, he's talking and speaking about a group of individuals in the church and he's telling them, hey, don't be fooled. He's like, come back to your right way of thinking, the thinking that I left you guys with, which was the death, burial, and capital R, resurrection of Jesus Christ. You guys believed, you received, you were baptized with the Holy Spirit. You guys knew the truth. Now it's been some time and here you are dabbling with the ways of this world and you're starting to think again that there will be no resurrection. You're allowing outsiders or individuals who have ties to uh, the worldly concepts, you're allowing them to infiltrate the congregation congregation and push their narrative on you guys. Hey, bad friends will ruin good habits. The people who you guys are hanging out with, the people in your circle will most definitely lead you astray. Hey, and this is something that we can apply. You hear this. This is uh this is this is godly wisdom. If you think that's your ministry. If you think that by you going out with your friends and having drinks and, and partying and dancing, this is my personal opinion, okay? This isn't scripture. If you think that that's going to get those individuals saved, I think that more than likely they're pulling you away from Jesus more than you're pulling them closer to Jesus, right? I, I've, I've heard of individuals in the name of evangelism um, sitting with sinners, but then end up sinning with them. We have to understand that, yes, Jesus sat with them, but he also made a, a, a line. He had boundaries. There were things that he wouldn't do. There were places that he wouldn't go. Uh, the, the, the bad friends will ruin good habits. He sat with them, but he didn't partake in the sin. And, and us in our fallen nature and sometimes in our own like weak minds is we will position ourselves with our friends who we want to get saved when we're in the infant stage of our faith. And we'll put ourselves in there with the best of intentions, maybe to minister or to encourage. But what ends up happening is that they end up pulling you further away from Jesus rather than you pushing them closer. And I'll give an example. I remember when I first got saved, uh, I was hanging around my friends who smoked weed. And at first I was like, no, 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 I'm good. I would put myself in that position and they would smoke and I would try to be there and try to be a light and I would try to encourage. And as the blunt would go around or the joint would go around or the bong would go around, whatever we were smoking out of that day, it would go around. I'd be like, no, no, you know, I'm, I'm good. And they'd be like, okay, cool. And they would accept me and I would sit there and it would keep going around. And before you know it, I'd be like, let me get a hit. Let, hey, let me hold on to it. And they'd be like, no, 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 you're, you're a Christian. You're trying to do better. And I'm like, come on, man. Like, stop. Like it's me, you know me, come on. And so what more than likely would happen is me with the best of intentions and thinking that I'm strong and I'm going to go out there. And I'm just going to save my friends. I would end up falling into sin because I wasn't strong enough right? Bad, like bad company, bad friends will ruin the good habits. And some of us are in those beginning stages of the faith where we're still trying to figure out where we fit in and how we can navigate these pressures of being social uh, and, and evangelizing to our friends without falling into sin, without choosing to sin. So we need to find a, a place where we are surrounding ourselves with like-minded individuals like uh, that are building us up and encouraging us and walking with us towards Christ. There is a time and a place for us to evangelize to those friends, but many times we have to become stronger in our faith. We have to become stronger in our knowledge and understanding uh, of who we are in the Word and who God says that He is. Uh, and again, he listened. He says, come back to your right way of thinking and stop sinning. And he's like, some of you don't even know God. You don't even know him. And he says, I say this to shame you. He wants you to be convicted. He wants you to be like, oh man, that's me. 
gosh, I'm, I'm saying that I, I love God. I'm saying that I'm, I'm changed, but I keep putting myself in these situations where I compromise over and over and over. And that in and of itself is a poor witness. Right? You're not doing the kingdom of God any justice. You're not doing it. You're not lending it a hand when you proclaim to be a Christian, yet you go out and you try to fit in with the crowd. You kind of blend in. Amen. And that's and, and, and I'm speaking, this isn't a place of condemnation. I'm not trying to shame you. Paul is, right? Paul's talking to the Cor the Corinthians and he's saying, hey, I'm saying this to shame you guys. But I've been in those situations, especially when I was young and, and in my infantile stage of being a follower of Christ. I remember having the best of intentions, like, like honestly, really in my heart, I was just like, <clears throat> and again, the heart is deceitful, but in my heart, I was thinking, yeah, I'm going to go and I'm going to stand strong and I'm going to say, no, uh, they're going to pass it to me. And I'm going to, no, no, I'm not going to have anything to drink and I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to cuss and I'm going to be there. I'm just going to be a light. And I would show up and it would last for a little bit. Like I would be strong for a little while, but it only took so long before I caved and I gave in to my fleshly desires because the heart is deceitful above all things. I wasn't exercising the authority and the power that I had in Christ. So just pay attention, right? Pay attention and make sure that, you know, you're, you're setting yourself up for success. And like I said, this is, uh, it's time for some spring cleaning, man. It, we, we've got spring starting up, at least here in this area. I don't know where you guys are at, but it's time to start pruning and auditing the things that you consume, the things that you watch, the things that you listen, and the circles that you run with, right? It really does make a difference. If the people, the vast majority of the people that you're hanging out with are unsaved and they're still living for this world, you need to surround yourself with other individuals that are going to lift you up or going to walk this walk with you and they're going to help you get closer to the Lord. All right. Though it doesn't mean that you can't spend time with those individuals, but you need to go in packs. You need to go out in twos. You need to go with other individuals who are strong in your faith with the sole purpose of ministering and helping those individuals. Amen. That's good. That's good. Um, and I want to address that. I think that's good. I just read a I just read a comment, and and I don't disagree. Uh, Christ's life says, as I grew in the Lord, I was able to go and actually minister in places that people were truly surprised how the Holy Spirit moved. I agree with that. I I agree that God will put you in positions and places as you grow spiritually and in maturity. Um, and I believe that that can happen, uh, but that is an outlier and, and that takes some spiritual maturity and that does take some, uh, some, some confidence and boldness and authority. That's not something that I would encourage for those of you who are still young in the faith, right? Uh, protect yourself, create boundaries. And again, I would encourage if you're going to places that you might be susceptible to slip, go in twos, go with an accountability partner, go to these places because the fact of the matter is people need to be saved. There's people in places that need the gospel uh, where some of us won't be able to go. So if you do choose to put yourself in vulnerable situations, make sure that you're taking somebody with you to hold you accountable and who will watch your back. And don't two young Christians go because then you guys are both going to slip and fall into it. Take somebody who's mature and strong in their faith, right? <laughs> That's good. That's a great comment. I love that. Um, this next part, we talk about the heavenly body. And there's, uh, you know, there, there's quite a bit. He says, Paul says in verse 38, it says, God gives, uh, God gives the body that he has planned for and God gives each kind of seed its own body. He's likening, and you guys are going to read this, he's likening our earthly body like a seed. If I plant a, a, a flower, it's this little tiny seed. I put it in the ground and when it comes out, it's this big, beautiful thing. It doesn't look like the seed that I planted. They're completely different things, 
right? They're completely different things. Um, so it's, it's very similar. This body that we have, it's weak. This body uh, that we have is, what does it say? It's without honor. This physical body that we have, it's, it's powerless. It will decay. It will rot. It's, it will be ruined. This physical body that we had is like this tiny little seed. And when we die, it's almost like that's being planted. When we raise up, our heavenly bodies aren't going to look like the seed. I believe that our heavenly bodies are so uh, unfathomable. We can't even begin to understand what our heavenly bodies are going to look like. There's a lot of speculation. There's a lot of opinions. There's a lot of ideas. There's people who try to imagine it. But at the end of the day, when you plant a little seed and what comes out is this beautiful tree or this beautiful flower, Paul's uh, saying the same thing. We have these bodies. These bodies are corruptible. They're weak. They're not strong. They're, uh, they're going to decay. And once we die, we're raised and we receive this spiritual body and it's going to surpass our own understanding. It says, but the beauty of the heavenly bodies is one kind and the beauty of the earthly bodies is another. It says the sun has one kind of beauty. The moon has another beauty and the stars have another and each star is different in its beauty. It is the same with the dead who are raised to life. The body that is planted will ruin and decay, but it is raised to a life that cannot be destroyed. These heavenly bodies, it says when the body is planted, it is without honor but it is raised in glory. When the body is planted, it is weak, but when it is raised, it is powerful. The body that is planted is a physical body. When it is raised, it is a spiritual body. Um, somebody asked, does that mean that cremation isn't good? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think that it, I don't think that that's an issue. I don't think, um, and again, that's a, that's, that's a topic of debate where some people, some denominations are against the cremation of bodies because they think that you're de destroying the seed. But, um, no man, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. I, I don't think that that's an issue, right? People, so we're still kind of conversating on some of these things. Should we not give up on loved ones and friends that are more focused on things on earth or should we stick by their side? I think that this is a, a, a great question, right? Um, individuals who you love and care about, you can love them from a distance. So it says, can you bring, can you bring hot coals? Can you bring them in your lap and not be burned? Can you hold them to your chest without being burnt? You have to also protect yourself. What good is it going to do me if I lose my focus and I fall into sin because I'm hanging out with you? Again, that doesn't mean that you remove yourself from these situations. I have friends and family members who I love and I'm still a part of their life. But rather than me spending 90% of my time with them and pushing me further away from Jesus, I spend maybe 10% of my time. So now I'm spending less time. But if the if we're not heading in the same direction, right, because I'm focused on the race, I'm focused on what God has called me to do. There's a plan and a purpose. Sometimes there's individuals in your life who will hold you in the same place. And uh, I'm going to get kind of philosophical here. There's something called the crap theory. Okay. And I'm going to break this down. I'll be brief. The crab theory is that you can put, you know, a bunch of crabs into a bucket without a lid because you don't have to worry about the crabs getting outside of the bucket. You guys can do your own research. It's called the crab theory. And so as a crab is extending and getting its way out and they're going to escape, right? They're in this environment. They're in the same bucket. But as soon as one gets to the top and is about to escape, it's been proven that the other ones will grab the leg of the other crab and pull them back down. And they will consistently do this. So you can have crabs in a bucket without ever having to put a lid on it. 
The same thing is true when we come to the environment that we live in. You will be in a place and there will be people in your environment, friends, family members, individuals who say that they love you and are well-meaning. But as they see you leaving the environment, maybe succeeding, maybe achieving, maybe getting accolades that are going to position you and get you into a better place, right? Essentially, the crab is going to be free, free from the bucket, meaning free from being boiled and eaten. But individuals will pull you back down to their level because it's uncomfortable comfortable because they don't want to see when you're succeeding when you're leaving the environment what you're doing is you're filling yourself with light and a light in a dark place can be extremely challenging to individuals who are in a rut to individuals who are comfortable so what will happen is that some of the people in your life will sabotage you and your faith they will sabotage you and your relationship with Christ because the light in you irritates the demons in them so do I want to be in an environment where individuals are pulling me back down and trying to keep me in that place, there will be people in your life who knowing that you are trying to be a Christian will tempt you, right? They will, they will try to test your faith. They'll try to see where you stand. They'll try to see where you're at in your faith. They'll put you in compromising situations to try to test where you're at with your walk with Jesus. Life is already hard enough. Is that the environment that you want to be in? I would have friends when I first got saved, when I was 17 years old, I gave my life to Jesus and they would dangle joints in front of my face. You sure you don't want to smoke? Come on, man. You used to do it before. Hey, we're going to go out and there's going to be this girl that you used to date. You sure you don't want to come with us? And they would tempt me and they would try to make a joke about it and they would try to put me in compromising situations and nine times out of 10, I would give in to the pressure of my peers. I would give in to the temptation because I didn't want to be looked at differently. I didn't want to be an outsider. I wanted to be inclusive. I wanted to be a part of the gang and the group. So more times than not, in order to not be the outlier, I would cave to the temptation in order to please them. That didn't help my relationship with Christ. In fact, that ended up getting me in more trouble. So do I want to compromise my values and my beliefs in the name of trying to minister to other people? Absolutely not. I love my neighbor as I love myself, but I love myself enough to know and set boundaries and to create an environment that is conducive for me walking close to Jesus. So I believe that God will position me in those individuals' lives for so that I am a light, but God isn't going to put me in compromising situations that's going to force me to, to contradict what the word of God is teaching. Does that make sense? So I'm not saying get saved and leave everybody. I'm saying get saved and make sure that your relationship's solid and be a light in their lives. But that doesn't mean going to the strip club with them. That doesn't mean kicking it and, and getting drunk with them. It doesn't mean doing the same things. If the people who I love, if that's what their primary interest is and that's the things that they're doing, I'm going to have to remove myself from the situation. I'm going to have to set some boundaries. And many times people will push you away and continue in those things in order to keep that light away. Because the light that you represent is the light of Christ. And like I said, when you're exuding that light, it irritates the demons that are inside of them. It irritates the things that they're going. It makes them uncomfortable because the light exposes darkness. And when they're in your face, they see their sin. They see the way that they're living. They see the way that they're in a rut. They see the way that they haven't changed or they haven't moved. Amen. And again, it's not that we necessarily have to like, peace, I'm out of here. There are ways to still stay a part of your family's lives and evangelize to them. But it does take strength. Uh, I think that family is one of the hardest places to be a strong Christian, believe it or not. If, if, let me rephrase that. It's been challenging for me to be saved and to be with a worldly family. 
because the worldly family knows me as who I used to be. They know some of my deepest, darkest secrets. They know the things that I've done and the way that I behaved and, and they see those things. And so even in my own household, it's just kind of like, I'm constantly being questioned. Is this for real? Is this the real thing? Is this really it? So they know who I am. And many times it's hard to evangelize and minister to the people of your own household. Jesus even said, uh, it's hard for a prophet to be honored in his hometown. Jesus was rejected in his hometown because they were just like, that's just Jesus. We used to play kickball and stickball with homeboy. Like, remember when he got his chunkless stuck over there on the rock? Like, that's just Jesus. He's nobody special. We grew up with him. We know about Jesus behind closed doors. He always was a little special. He never did partake in all of those other things, but he can't be the Messiah. That's just Jesus. And it's the same in your own household. Many times uh, you're not going to be well received in your home. All you can do is continue to be a light, continue to plant the seeds and don't compromise your actions. Amen. It's good stuff. Good conversation. That's good. You keep on keeping on. Amen. But that's, that's, I mean, that's what it is. He got his chunkla stuck on the rock. You know what I mean. Yeah. Amen. And you don't have to, you don't really have to, you have to find discernment. And every, there's not, it's not black and white. You know what I mean? Is each individual soul, like, before we move on, I'll be brief. I'm never brief, but we'll try. You have a mission field. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And there's people in your sphere of influence. You understand? So, you're in that place to be a light to those individuals. Each relationship is going to be different. Your relationship with your mom and how you minister to your friend, your how you you minister to this friend or that friend, it's all going to be different and it's all going to be it's going to be individual. There's not a cookie cutter way to minister to individuals. But understand this, God placed you specifically in that place because there's something that you have. There's relationship that you've established that in some way, shape or form, you'll be able to speak to them. And again, don't don't mistake your ministry for failing because people aren't falling on their face and giving themselves to Jesus in that moment. You might be in that place just to plant seeds. You might be in that place just to water it. Right, I, I, we, I, I'll, I'll share this. We went to Gilroy last week to these kids. The teachers there are are the entire school year planting seeds. They're loving these kids. They're praying for these kids. They're interceding. They're standing in the gap. They're teaching them biblical principles. They're speaking to them year round. I get to fly in there on a little plane and I show up and I'm just like, hey, Jesus is dope. Like, follow the Lord. Read your Bible. And they're just like, read my Bible. I've never heard that. And the teachers are like, I've literally been telling you to read your Bible the entire year. And I'm just like, oh, you guys, prayer is cool. You got to pray every day without ceasing. They're just like, I've never even thought about praying. And the teachers are rolling their eyes. Not really because they're not upset. They're just lacking. They're just happy that it's landing. But they're just like, I've been telling these kids the exact same thing. Why is it that when you come, it, it lands? Paul said this. Paul says, I plant the seed or Apollos plants the seed and I water it. 
that you don't know what's going on behind closed doors. So I get the job. The teachers have been planting the seeds. I come through for a week. I water the seeds and then I'm gone. And then God grows the seeds and he's there cultivating and the teachers are reaping the harvest. Now some of these kids are going deeper, going harder. They're stepping into their authority and their role. And so this is a, it's, it's more than just us. So you might be in a place where you're just planting the seed and then maybe somebody else comes through at their workplace or behind the scenes. You don't even know. And they start watering the seed and and then they find that place of repentance and they put their faith in Jesus. But please don't forsake the efforts just because people aren't changing radically in that moment. Don't think that God's word returns void. You're in those places planting seed. Maybe you're watering the seed. Maybe you're cultivating. Maybe you're taking the little pl uh, the plant, the house plant out and putting some sun on it. Your efforts aren't done in vain. Nothing done for the kingdom of God is done in vain. So please don't get weary in your well-doing. Understand that it's a team effort, right? It's a team effort. Not like I understand that if people get saved on here, it's not just because coffee and prayer. They might be seeing things out uh, in their real life. People might be ministering to them. People might be sharing things with them. There, It's a group effort. And the fact that we get to reap the harvest when I say, hey, does anybody want to get saved and people's hands are raising? I don't think that it's just because of coffee and prayer. I believe because it's a group effort. There's people messaging them and praying for them and loving on them and hugging on them and talking to them and God's working on them from different angles. So, so um, yes, when you get saved, protect yourself, uh, can continue to create boundaries, but don't think that you're the only person in that person's life that's ministering. Trust that God has a plan and that you're a very small piece of a puzzle to a much bigger picture. Amen. That's good stuff. So moving forward, um, he talks about the contrast between the first man, Adam being a living person but the last man Jesus was a spirit the first man came from the dust the second man came from heaven just as we are made like the man of earth so we will also be made like the man of heaven right there's this this idea of the flesh versus the spirit the flesh comes from Adam the sin the the death comes from the first man but life life you know life everlasting comes from Christ and so we are born in the flesh we're born in the likeness of Adam we're born in sin yet when we are we give our life to Jesus we are born again and so now we receive the Holy Spirit that dwells within these earth bodies and we have this remnant of flesh and we have the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of us and there's this constant battle that's going back and forth our flesh wants to do the things of this world our flesh wants to do what is what it you know what the flesh desires it wants to sin yet the Holy Spirit in us is perfection the Holy Spirit in us is righteousness the Holy Spirit in us is authority the Holy Spirit in us is power I keep doing this because I'm thinking of like the resurrection for some reason I, I I don't know. I always think of like Jesus rising from the grave and he's just like, Whoa. I don't know why. So if you guys see me doing this, this is my version of like resurrection. This might even be sign language. I don't know. I hope it's not a bad word. But for me, when I do this, if you guys see me doing this, I'm like, ah, that's resurrection. That's Jesus rising from the grave. I don't know. Sorry. I just catch myself doing stuff with my hands and you guys are like, why is he doing that? I'm doing that because that's like my version of like resurrection, Jesus rising from the grave. I don't know doesn't make sense. Um, 
In verse 50, it says, flesh and blood cannot have part of the kingdom of God. Something that will ruin cannot have a part in something that never ruins. Again, he's going back to this idea that these bodies, these earthly bodies, they are weak, they are feeble, they are uh, susceptible to death, they're susceptible to disease. These are just a very small seed. When we die, we will be raised again, the resurrection, and we will receive these heavenly bodies that surpass our understanding. We can't even begin to imagine what they are going to look like, the glory that we are going to arise in. And it says that it can't be like that because in heaven, heaven is eternal. Heaven is perfect. Heaven is good. It doesn't ruin. It doesn't come to an end. So we can't take these earthly, physical, weak bodies with us. Mm. This is good news, man. It says this body that can be destroyed must clothe itself in something that can never be destroyed. And this body that dies must clothe itself with something that can never die. And it goes on. It says uh, in verse 56, death's power to hurt is sin and the power of sin is the law but we thank god he gives us the victory through our lord jesus christ come on now somebody he gives us the victory through our lord jesus christ so my dear brothers and sisters he says stand strong do not let anything change you always give yourselves fully to the work of the lord because you know that your work in the lord is never wasted that ministry, that, that sending a verse, that checking in on somebody, that praying for somebody, that even that choosing not to sin with somebody, somebody who you love and you care about and you might have you know ran with back in the day, when you choose the light, when you choose right, even that work, even that overcoming the temptation, that strengthens you, that builds confidence, that builds your spirit. Hey, I'm strong. I have this authority because of Jesus. I have this authority because of the Lord. It says the, the work, because you know that your work in the Lord is never wasted. If you, when you, when you stop to give somebody a hug or a compliment or a high five, or you stop to encourage somebody, when you stop time out of your day to you know, send somebody a text message or a call or an email, or even a Christian meme, when you stop, like those, those are different ways to minister. Those are different ways to plant seeds. Those are different ways to love people. When you share a video, there's so many different ways that you can minister to anybody. It doesn't fall on deaf ears. The Lord's, the, the word of God doesn't return void. Amen. God is so good. God is so, so good. So, so switching over, uh, we're going to jump into Psalm 136. I'll be brief, right? I'll be brief with this. If somebody could put that on there, that would be good. 1 Corinthians 15 and Psalm chapter 136. Anybody? There we go. There's Miss May. Thank you. Awesome. So, 136, it's almost like a song, okay? I mean, obviously. But it's like, the way that it reads, you guys are going to read this on your own. But it says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the God of gods, for His mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of the lords, uh, for His mercy endureth forever. Ooh, to Him who alone doeth great wonders, for His mercy endureth. It just keeps going. His mercy endureth forever. It gives a little line, and then His mercy endureth forever. Uh, and it goes, and it goes, and it goes, and it goes. There's 26 verses. It could probably be down to 13 verses if they didn't put His mercy endureth forever. So, not to make light of the scripture, right? I wasn't trying to make a light of the scripture. What I did is I said, you know what? 
If they're telling us that God's mercy endures forever, then what does that mean? So I was like, okay, mercy, let's, let's define it. Mercy is defined as this. It says compassion, mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. This mercy that we've received, right, is forgiveness. It's compassion from God because he's somebody, he can dole out punishment. The fact that we are sinners, the fact that we've turned our back, that we've rejected, that we've lied, that we've broken the commandments, the fact that we were born in sin, separated from God, he has the power to harm us, to punish us. It's well within God's right. If God wanted to unleash his wrath upon us, who are we to say that we don't deserve it? Let that sink in. If Holy Spirit, like, wow. If God wanted to pour his wrath out, if he wanted to drown this whole world, if he wanted to burn this whole thing down, he would be well within his right because of the sin that we're born into, because the way that mankind has gone. And nobody could bat an eye. Nobody could wag a finger. Nobody could even get mad that he decided to do what he wanted to do with his sinful, broken creation. Yet, he loves us so much and shows us so much mercy, which is compassion or forgiveness shown to, towards someone who it is within his own power. It's, in, it's within his power. And it is, it's his right to punish us as our sins deserve. He is so merciful which endures forever. He is so compassionate and forgiving that he clothed himself in flesh. He came to this earth. He took the penalty for the sins, for our sins, for my sins, for your sins, your past, present, and future sins. Before you were born, he knew what you would do. He, and he still, with outstretched arms, said, you know what? It's worth it because they are to die for. And so I would rather receive the punishment for their sins, I would much rather receive it and pay the own penalty with my perfect, sinless, blameless blood so that they do not have to receive my wrath, so they don't have to receive the punishment for the way that they've lived. I love them that much. What? So, so we can make light of Psalm 136. I made it a rap song. I was like, oh, his mercy endures forever. But then I started thinking... This mercy that he extends to us endures forever. This compassion, this forgiveness, when we deserve nothing. Understand salvation, we've done nothing to earn it. We've done nothing to deserve it. There's nothing that we can do. This is a free gift that he gives because he is good. And that right there is good news. That right there is gospel. And that right there, if all that you have Let's say you're broke, you're brokenhearted. Let's say you're, you're sick. Let's say you're, you've got nothing. But if all that you have is the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, you have this free gift of salvation. You do not have to spend eternity separated from God. That is enough to put a smile on your face. It should be. It should be. And if that's not enough to put a smile on your face, then I would encourage you to step back. And what are you focusing on? What is more important than eternal salvation? Your relationship status? The number in your bank account? The fact that people are perishing around you? Right? If anything, those should be signs that this world 
is corrupted, it's evil, wicked, and that it's falling apart. It has an expiration date. If anything, the way that the world is, the chaos and your circumstances should be an even greater reason for us to cling to the cross, for us to cling to Jesus. Right? What are we focusing on? And again, I'm not trying to be non-empathetic, right? But this is what I can't do, okay? I can't do this. I can climb down into your suffering with you and I can sit with you for a couple of minutes and say, hey, it sucks, it's not easy. I can't even imagine, I don't even have words. But I would not be doing you a good service or doing you what God has called me to do. I would be turning my back on the plan, purpose, and will that God has for me if I just sat down there and sympathized with you. Uh, we are called to pick each other up and to get each other back on track. I will sympathize with you for a couple of minutes, but then I'm going to grab you by your hand. I'm going to embrace you. I'm going to love you, and I'm going to help get you back on track and get you focused on the right things. Me sitting down in your sorrow and suffering with you is only going to create a really good country song. That's all it's going to do. A sad song about we lost this and we lost that and we don't have this. Let's make a happy song about what we do have. What we do have is salvation through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. What we do have is connection to God now because of what Jesus did. He tore the veil. So now we have connection. Now we have salvation. So I can't sit down there with your suffering and, and make you feel good or, or you know, all I'm doing is adding to it. Right? Sometimes we need friends that are going to say, hey, snap out of it. Dude, it sucks. I get it. Everybody's going through something. It's not easy. But life isn't easy. Friend, wake up. There's a sense of urgency. Let me love you. Let me embrace you. But let's get up out of this suffering. Let's get out of this sorrow. Let's get out of feeling sorry for ourselves. And let's focus on his suffering. Let's take our eyes off of our own story and our own trauma for just a little bit and focus on his story. And let's go tell the world about his story. Because that's all that truly matters. The, the things that you're going through are distractions. If the devil can come in and ruin your relationship or he can mix up your environment, and if that's enough for you to go inward and to only focus on your stuff, now you're not about your father's business. Now you're not walking in the plan and the purpose that he has for you. So the enemy is reassured that, hey, if I mess up home life, if I stir things up in their environment, it's going to take their focus off of him and they're going to place it directly on this. And if they are not focusing on him and they're focusing on this, then I'm rendering them useless. They're no longer thinking about evangelizing. They're no longer thinking about walking in authority or boldness. They're not thinking about telling other people about Jesus because they're so focused on their situation. That's a victory. That's a W for the devil. But if in the middle of the storm, there's songs that talk about this, I'm going to praise you through the storm. I'm going to find a position of praise, even in the middle of my circumstances, chaos and all of the wickedness, even with everything, my back's against the wall, the roof is caving in, I'm getting squished together. But even in the middle of that, I can still point people to Jesus. I'm going to still find joy. I'm going to still find comfort. I'm going to still find life in the middle of that. I'm going to praise from these broken bones. I'm going to look to Job that even in the middle of losing everything except his wife, which makes me think of what kind of wife she was. If the devil took everything, he's like, I'm going to keep you with this wife because she's hell on earth. That's a joke and it's a bad one. It's a dad joke. I apologize. But even I look at Job and even in the middle of his circumstances, he doesn't forsake. He, he puts his trust and his faith in God, right? What, is, what did Job have? What was he onto in that situation? His eyes and his focus were constantly on the Lord. 
even in the middle of his pain and suffering. I pray that it lands. I pray that it lands. I pray that it lands. His word doesn't return void. Let's pray. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for today. God, we pray that your word would take root in our heart, that it would grow, that it would mature, that we would be able to pour out into other people, that we would be a light in this world. God, we come back to the idea of staying focused, being alert, being aware, understanding that the devil roars, he roams around like a roaring lion looking to kill, steal, and destroy. And many times, Lord, he's looking to kill, steal, and destroy our purpose, your plan. Many times he's looking to kill, steal, and destroy our identity. He's coming against who we are. God, right now, in the name of Jesus, I ask that my brothers and sisters' eyes would be torn wide open, that their ears would be supernaturally open, that their hearts would be softened. And that right now you would download the idea of who they are. That they wouldn't go another day without knowing the authority and the boldness that they possess as followers of Jesus. That the enemy, as he rises up against us, against your chosen ones, that we understand that the power we have inside of us is greater than the power in this world. Help us to remain focused on you. Help us to find a position of praise in the middle of the storm. God, even though we're, we're, we're going through hell on earth and the things of this world have us feeling like our back is against the wall, help us to receive strength from you. Help us to receive endurance from you. God, you are our hope. You are our trust. You are our faith. Our faith isn't in this world. It's not in money. It's not in things. It's not in relationship. It's in a relationship with you. It's in the salvation that you have given us as a free gift. It's in the hope of a resurrection where these earthly bodies will be planted down like seeds and we will be risen up in these glorious spiritual bodies. That's where our hope is. Not in this world. Not in our situations even changing because even in the middle of our situations, God, you are good. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Lord, we praise you. God, we give you praise and glory. Your mercy endures forever. We thank you for your compassion. We thank you for your forgiveness. And God, we just thank you for choosing us to have the divine revelation of who your son is. Because we know who he is. We carry around this uh, privilege of sharing the goodness of Jesus, the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ with other people. And that's what we want more now than anything. Our eyes are on you. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters that uh, you know you would, your will would be done in their situation. They all have prayer requests, they have needs, they have desires, they, there's things that their hearts are set on. And my prayer for them is number one, that your will would be done. And number two, that they would have the discernment to understand the difference between what they want and what they need. Because we know that you provide what they need, not what they want. And Lord, when they don't get what they want, they don't turn their back on you. God, when they don't get what they want, they don't harden their hearts. Lord, when they don't get what they want, they understand and have the discernment to know that a no from you has goodness written all over it. And that a no from you is for protection. And that a no from you is for redirection. And that a no from you is from a place of love. Because you are our Father. 
God, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you, and we pray this all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And amen. I love you guys. Uh, I honor you. I appreciate you. Um, 500 people on here today. God is so good. Um, I just want to give you guys just a heads up. Look, every day that we do this, I, I'm recording it. I also record it, and then I upload it. Um on Anchor, and Anchor distributes the podcast, Coffee and Prayer, to Spotify, to Apple Music, to all these different places. Um, If you guys have time, I would love if you guys would go to the podcast, it's Coffee and Prayer, it's got my little profile picture, and maybe leave a review, maybe leave a comment, maybe like it, maybe follow it, that would be super awesome, and I would really, really appreciate it. What's happening with the podcast is people who don't have social media or people who just like to listen, um, it gives them access. So if you guys do that, that's like you partnering with me and preaching the gospel around the world. We started in Acts, we've got Romans and 1 Corinthians, that's where we started Coffee and Prayer for the podcast. But if you guys had time, um, honestly, that would be a huge gift and a huge blessing to me. And I'm going to bring this up basically every day until I get 100 reviews. That's the goal is 100 reviews across all platforms. That would be super cool. And if there's 500 of you on here, all it's got to be is a star and a thumbs up. You can even be like, this guy sucks and I'm glad that his face isn't seen. And I'd rather hear his voice than see his face um, because he's got a face for radio. I don't care what you guys put. A review is a review. Anyway, I love you guys, I honor you, and I hope that you guys have an amazing day, and we'll be back here tomorrow morning for more Coffee and Prayer, the very last day of 1 Corinthians. It's short, it's sweet, but we'll, we'll watch how the Holy Spirit shows up. Anyway, love you guys, and uh, we'll see you later.